What's going on, guys? It's Mike Cerrone from the DC Crossover Podcast. Ben and I have been producing audio content since our teenage years. But now, don't we wish we had the tools you guys have to create and distribute your own content? Let me quickly tell you about our new sponsor, Anchor. Now, if you haven't heard about Anchor, it's definitely something I love using. One reason, because it's free, people, F-R-E-E. As most of you may know, free is one of my favorite words, so don't get that mixed up. So no charge to start up with Anchor. Now let's talk about how easy it is to use. With Anchor, there are creation tools that allow you guys to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Super simple and super accessible from anywhere. Now that you recorded, how do you distribute to the streaming apps? Anchor does it for you, folks. Whether it be Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or more, they got you. Using Anchor, you can actually make money from your podcast. Straight hard cash, homie. Whether you have a handful of friends, family, or group that wants to hear your content, there is no minimum listenership. It's everything you would ever need to make a podcast in one simple place. Want to get started? Here's what you guys need to do. Download the free Anchor app on your phone or go to anchor.fm to get your podcast started today. Now back to our nation's capital with Sarone and Simpson. Take a little sip. That's <laughs> your whistle. Yeah, there we go. Our Notes with Noakes segment right here on the DC Crossover is presented by Port City Brewing Company. Go pour yourself a glass because if you don't, your ass is trash. <laughs> Port City is not responsible for any of these advertisements. I just felt like doing that myself. That's a clown question, bro. And they're not even called Reese's Pieces. They're called Reese's Pieces. Reese's Pieces. They're pieces of Reese's. I'm a man. I'm 40. I'm not a, I'm not a kid. Write something about me. Playoffs? I just hope we can win a game. We're talking about practice, man. We're talking about practice. We're talking about practice. We ain't talking about the game. We're talking about practice, man. But they are who we thought they were. And we let them off the hook. This is what's great about sports. This is what the greatest thing about sports is. Hello? You play to win the game. Welcome to the DC crossover right here on Apple Podcast. Google Podcasts and Google Play Music. I am Mike Cerrone with another episode of the DC Crossover Special Edition uh, right here with the one and only Danny Noakes with our Notes with Noakes section. Danny Noakes is on Twitter at Danny Noakes. Check him out. He's a co-host and producer for Fox Sports 910 in Richmond. Also hosts a college football tailgate show for them on Saturdays. Danny, I'm going to welcome you in, partner, the DC Crossover right here for our Notes with Noakes section. And as we always start off, what's going on in the life of Danny Noakes? Hey, buddy. Good to hear from <laughs> you, Sarone. It's always uh, it's always a little bit more difficult to kind of get your feet underneath you <laughs> at the beginning of the week after a loss mm-hmm. like we saw from Virginia Tech on Saturday night. It wasn't that surprising, all things considered. You know, Notre Dame... They were favored in this one. I certainly didn't expect Virginia Tech to win. I think that any Tech fan that went in there expecting the Hokies to win, you're probably a little bit off base. Your expectations yeah. are probably a little bit too high. And, you know, honestly, that win against Florida State to open the season probably did more harm than good at this point because that Florida State team was not very good, as we know now. Did you see 
Cerrone, what they did against Miami this weekend, giving up the North three touchdown lead that they had. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't get it. Like awful. Florida State is, I just number one, I don't understand it. I just, I mean, they have uh, uh, Francois, who's a good quarterback, and and they have a talented team. Florida State always has one of the top ten recruiting classes in the nation, but it's like. I don't understand their concept of football anymore. I mean, obviously Jimbo Fisher left, but did, did, did that really make them fall off the rails that much, Danny? I don't understand it, dude. No, and and you you bring up a lot of really good points. And Florida State is clearly in a in a situation that they haven't been in a very long time. Yeah. Uh, Willie Taggart to me seems like a guy that's probably a little bit in over his head. Mm-hmm. I could be wrong, but it. I mean, I can't. I can't do anything but equate the situation to what happened at texas with charlie strong guy that you know he can coach at a specific level but for whatever reason when when he got to the the power five job that he had kind of been waiting for for charlie strong was texas and for willie taggart as you've heard it's florida state it it just hasn't worked because they got plenty of talent but the reason i brought that game up sir in reference to notre dame is because i think after that florida state game not only did the fans probably take it for a little bit more than what it was worth considering how bad Florida State has been since, but I also think that Virginia Tech has probably been a little bit overconfident oh, for sure. since that win. And, and there are young teams, so you, you can understand how they'd be feeling themselves after beating down a team with as much talent, even if they don't have a good win-loss record, like Florida State on the national stage on Labor Day night. Yeah, you should definitely celebrate that for a little bit, but man <laughs> when 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 they when they ended up not being able to carry that momentum off of the the win against the Knolls and the tribe and they had to skip the game against dcu they fall to odu they got back on track against duke and, and i and i thought that was great but i i, I feel like there's there's a, not a sense of complacency but like I, the, the overconfidence for for whatever reason is there right now yeah, and that's the thing I always look for is I don't know what it is with Virginia Tech football. It's kind of the same thing uh, relating to the NFL team that we have here in town is the Redskins. They basically have that lackluster approach sometimes where, again, we mentioned it last week uh, with the ODU game is they were probably overlooking towards Duke and towards Notre Dame and this and that. But at the same time, it's kind of weird to see uh, an, a well-coached team go into a game that's prime time in Blacksburg. I mean, they had over 65,000 in attendance, rocking uh, maroon and orange. And that that's the thing is that you go into that game, and let's get right into it here as they lost 45-23 to basically uh, a really good Notre Dame team uh, yep. in their own, in their own uh, home. But at the same time, I think, personally, my initial reaction of the game, watching it at home, and you, you have obviously a different perspective as well being at the game, I think personally that they just cannot convert on certain opportunities, uh, which we've seen, uh, you know, in Fuente's early years. I think the biggest thing about the Tech football squad this past uh, Saturday night was basically that their conversion rate for those opportunities, like they had that uh, big long run by Peoples, uh, and he ended up getting down to the one yard line, and they couldn't punch it in. I was very surprised, honestly. Even if they lost those three yards on the third down, I was very surprised Fuente didn't go for it. Because in these type of ball games, when I look at it, you have a number six Notre Dame on the ropes where you are having this ball in the red zone multiple occasions, and you're trying to kick field goals. I mean, you had five field goal attempts in the game. That You just can't not have that. 
And that's the thing. If you're getting in field goal range, you should be able to convert because you, they didn't have the ball very often starting in very good field position. They might have had it on the 40 or whatever it may be, uh, and they had to go you know, 25 yards to get in field goal range. But if you're getting two or three first downs, you should be able to continue that momentum and get into the end zone. That's the one thing that I do not like about the coaching staff this past uh, week. I, I think they called a great game. But at the same time, I think they also called a poor game when it got down to the red zone. What do you think? Well, but before we go any further, too, I definitely okay. want to make sure that we give credit to Notre Dame because oh, yeah. Fighting Irish coming in and doing what they did to Virginia Tech in Lane Stadium, which, by the way, was the loudest that I've <laughs> ever heard it, certainly in my time as, as a former student and, and someone that's been covering the Tech football program now for, for a little over five years. Uh-huh. It was loud in there on Saturday night and Notre Dame, one of, if not the most recognizable brand in college football is absolutely not going to be intimidated going in to a venue like that. So I give Brian Kelly and Notre Dame credit. They were ready for this stage. They were ready to go. That's where it starts. But another really good point made by you, conversions. When you get down into the red zone against a team like Notre Dame, and it could be Notre Dame, it could be Clemson, it could be Miami, whoever Virginia Tech finds themselves going up against a little bit later on in the season. But when you go up against a team with this much talent, you have to take advantage of every single opportunity that you get to put a touchdown on the board. So you mentioned when they got down inside the five and they couldn't punch it in and Ryan Willis and Steven Peoples are running into one another because they can't get the exchange right. That was yeah, nuts. There's, it, 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 it's just a bad look, and, and, and I'm honestly not sure if that's something that you just you, you put on Willis and Peoples because there was a mix-up there, or is that on the coaching staff for, for not having those guys ready? Because I, I, the thing is, and I know a lot of fans are frustrated. I get it because I'm, I'm one of them. I, as, as a media member, I, I, I wear both hats. Yeah. I went to the school, so I understand – where a lot of this frustration is coming from. Virginia Tech was in this game. It was a one-point game at halftime. But when you have an opportunity, you're down by, I think they were down at 13 points at one point, Cerrone, and um, Fuente opted to, to try and kick a field goal instead of going for it on a fourth and short. And, you, you know, you're, you've had limited success offensively all game, but you have a big opportunity there. It, it's a very similar situation to the one that Jason Garrett was faced with for the Dallas Cowboys <laughs> last night, and he didn't go for it, yeah. and it's come back to bite him. Cowboys lost the game. That, that obviously, that call had a little bit more to do with the outcome than the Virginia Tech game did. But, you know, all things considered, I, I, I absolutely love what the coaching staff does, scheming and game planning. For whatever reason, and this happened, it was so evident against Old Dominion, they don't do a great job adjusting in-game, and that's a big issue. That's what the best coaching staffs in America can do. Yeah, and that's the, that's the b- biggest thing here is that Tech was very good against the run. I was very surprised on what they did against the run because obviously Ian Book came in as one of the guys that Herb Street said it on the broadcast that he's one of the guys that is a, one of the best improvisers in all of college football, and he didn't really have a lot of those plays. He had a couple in the second half. Uh, but at that that point, you know, it was in the third, end of the third, fourth quarter. So it didn't really matter too much. But overall, Dexter Williams, we talked about it last week. You have to pick your poison. Dexter Williams or Miles Boykin. They picked their poison. They wanted to go after the run. And that's what Bud did. But at the same time, you know, you can't give up. And that's the biggest thing. You cannot give up that 97-yard run 
in their basically their first uh, couple. I think it was their first drive or second drive in the ball game when they were backed up inside the five. You cannot give up that huge run by Williams, and that's the biggest thing. Is because if you take away that run by Williams. I mean, he had literally 31 rushes or so, something around there, 31 rushes for like 80 yards. I mean, that's terrible. That's like averaging almost, almost what, 3.2 or something? I don't know the exact number, but it's like that's not good. I mean, in NFL standards, college standards, three yards of carry is not good because, again, if you want to go by the math, if you run that ball three times, you're not going to get a first down. So that's why, where the math comes in, and he didn't have a good day. Everyone kept saying, I even saw on ESPN's app, they said, oh, Williams runs wild. Like, he, he had one run that was basically 100 yards. <laughs> I mean, that's the thing. They stopped the run so well, over 30 attempts, and he, he only had like 80-some yards at that point. But then when you let that big run uh, to start the half, I mean, that, that just really, really killed you because you were down by one, like you mentioned, uh, after they had a real big mistake by Willis where he had that fumble where he was trying to do too much uh, and try, and he was trying to sneak through all the, the big defensive linemen they got, and that's one of their strengths is their defensive line. They tried, He tried to sneak through, and they got a fumble and this and that. I mean, that was a whole debacle when they got that scoop and score uh, to end the half. But then when you come down with a minute and seven seconds or so left and, and drive down the field in 56 seconds, I mean, that was very impressive. And you had all the momentum, and then you let off that big run, which I think, honestly – shut down the entire game shut down the crowd shut down everything because everyone was so dejected because you were like we're stopping them and then all of a sudden they rip off this big run where don't get me wrong williams had a beautiful cutback uh, and and basically there's two tech defenders i couldn't tell who it was that they ran into each other because they over pursued into the flat and then all of a sudden when he cut back in near the hash mark that's when he had all that green in front of him but that's the thing is that you cannot just let off these big plays and i think that's what killed tech in the end is those two big plays where they had the fumble near the end of the first half when you had a chance to go up uh, by, by at least one score uh, when you're driving down the field, and then all of a sudden when you gave up that big play to start the second half. So I don't understand uh, that concept, uh, like, like, you, like you mentioned, uh, where those in-game adjustments are because Bud was doing as much as he can uh, with this high-powered uh, Notre Dame offense. I mean, Notre Dame, like we said last week, came out of nowhere. You know, Brian Kelly was on the verge of getting fired two years ago, and all of a sudden you see him have some of these nice, well-put-together stars on their team, and now they're in the top six in the country. But I don't know, man. I, I totally understand what you're talking about. I just think Fuente, he's a good offensive mind. But, again, I'm going to relate it to the Redskins uh, for this year. The Redskins, they go out and they score 24. They go out and score 21. The second half, they score three. Like, you have to have those in-game adjustments. You cannot be content, especially against good teams, to go out there and just do whatever you want to do uh, because it worked in the first half. It doesn't doesn't work that way, you know? Well, to, to, and to address the, the first half of your answer there on, on Dexter Williams, who, like you said, he, he, he individually had a lot of success on Saturday night, but most of it came on that 97-yard run, finishing with 178 on the ground and three touchdowns. It looks good, but when you look at what they did as a team, and you brought the stat up, 32 carries, 167 yards, well, subtract 97 from 67, what do you get? I'm not a math major, <laughs> sir, but I believe that that's 70 yards, correct? Yep. With, which is just north of two yards per carry. There you go. So you, you, you take that run out, and yeah, you're right, Bud Foster's defense was doing a pretty good job at stopping the run, and we said going into that game, it's been their bugaboo, for years tech gives up the big play and it does them in on so many different occasions 
it's very frustrating to watch. But you know, it, it wasn't ultimately. It was it was a collection of mistakes that that did them in on Saturday night. I actually did not hate at all the way that Ryan Willis played. He turned the ball over twice, and and those two turnovers were big, especially the fumble recovery that went for a touchdown. Yeah. To me, he just he just looked a little bit overwhelmed. He was going up against a, a defense that had all sorts of NFL players, <laughs> and, and I think he just tried to do a little bit too much. He took a little bit too much upon himself, and and for a guy that is only starting his second game at Virginia Tech and and only his second game over what the last two and a half years since yeah. he transferred over to Kansas you can understand how that could could kind of become a little bit overwhelming to him so I, overall I think they're going to be fine Saron. I really do because think about this it, 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 they should be six games through their season at this point they're five since the East Carolina game yeah. was canceled right if you looked at the schedule at the start of the season through six games Unless you are an incredibly optimistic person, you would say Virginia Tech would be four and two with losses to Florida State and Notre Dame, right? Now you have a win against Florida State, you have a loss against ODU, but the point remains the same. You still only have two losses this season, and the good news here is neither of those losses are the ACC. They can very much still get back to the ACC championship. And the the last thing that I want to say on this is that. I've been I've been saying it for years on on my show back in Blacksburg when I did that, yeah. and and I've been saying it for the last couple of months. Losses to programs like Notre Dame are not what's holding this program back. Notre Dame was heavily favored in this game; should have won. Yeah. Notre Dame's going to go to the college football playoffs. Their own that <laughs> game is not what's going to hurt Virginia Tech. That loss to ODU is going to crush Virginia Tech. That loss to Syracuse in Fuente's first year, yeah. crushing. The two losses to Georgia Tech, crushing. What's the common denominator in all those games? They were favored to win. They were favored to win heavily, and they couldn't get it done. You can lose to programs like Notre Dame and other good ones that they've lost to. Clemson, who they've lost to twice. You can't lose to the programs that you need to beat, and that's why it starts next weekend against North Carolina. Virginia Tech can very much get back on track. Yeah, and the one thing uh, to, to, to mention and go uh, real quick back to this game is uh, looking forward as well to the UNC game. I want to ask you what they need to do uh, going forward because Ryan Willis, he had basically 17 more attempts than Ian Book did. Now, don't get me wrong. They don't, the Tech doesn't have a Dexter Williams. Obviously, uh, when Trayvon McMillan transferred out, uh, he went over to Colorado area. Basically, that kind of hurt them a little bit. Um, but Stephen Peoples, I mean, he had a 41-yard rush this, this game, which was pretty darn good. But at the same time, you have to look at it, and so far he's been very, very productive on the ground. And that's the one thing I have to talk to you about because so far on the season, he has 64 carries, 366 yards, which actually, actually averages out to 5.7 yards a carry and five touchdowns. So... Do you really think that they need to? I mean, obviously they keep talking about Ryan Willis's arm and this and that, but do they, do they need to go on the ground more? I just don't understand. I mean, I like the inside zone runs is what is, is what was actually working so much and so well against Notre Dame. So uh, before we get to the uh, the North Carolina game. What do you think they should do with the run game? Do you think they should go back to that? Because obviously, especially in the NFL. It's going into a passing league. It's doing this. It's doing that through the air all the time. I mean, Drew Brees, uh, right while we're recording this, he might set the record tonight against the Skins. Uh, but at the same time, 
I don't know if if they're going to the run enough. Obviously, Deshaun McLeese is the secondary back. Uh, he's he's doing okay as well. But Stephen Peoples is the feature back here, and so far he's doing pretty well. But they only gave him nine carries throughout the game. I understand yeah. that it was you know they were behind in the second half, but in the first half still, I mean, you get nine carries for sixty six yards. I mean, I know they had that. Like I said before, they had the forty one yarder, but. Overall, I think they need to give him a little bit more leeway because he was still average 7.1 this game. So what do you think they should do on the ground? I think specifically, you know, against Notre Dame, and and Tech was in the game until a very late point in it. I think at at some times you see those passing totals get elevated when you have a team playing from behind just because they're – you know, trying to catch back up. And the quickest way to move the ball down the field generally is to throw the football. The other thing I'll throw in there is that Justin Fuente always been a pass-happy play caller. Not not that he's calling the plays, because that's Brad Cornelson's job, but in <laughs> his heavy offense. Influence, heavy influence. Exactly. <laughs> he gets to make the calls when it's all said and done. But he's always been a guy that's relied more on the pass than the run. His running game at Memphis was always more by committee than it was an individual. But... I'm with you. Again, I I understand where the fan base gets frustrated. One of the more maddening things maybe with Virginia Tech and the coaching staff right now is their inability or they're just, they don't, they don't want to commit to one running back. And and maybe that's, maybe that's just because they feel like, you know, the the backs that they have on their roster aren't ready to shoulder that load. And I can understand that, but I think the, the one, two punch between McLeese and Stephen Peoples and, and Terrius Wheatley was looking good early on in the season when they were giving him the ball and every opportunity. So I definitely think that there is a need to have more balance on the offense. And I think you're definitely right. I think the more that they can find success on the run, you're just going to have more ball control and certainly more clock control. And that's that's the way that Virginia Tech's going to want to dictate these games because despite the fact that they're young on defense, Bud is smart enough to... to to scheme up a plan where you can muddle down pretty much any offense. Yeah, no doubt about it. We're here with Danny Noakes. Follow him on Twitter at Danny Noakes. And also he is the co-host and producer for Fox Sports 910 in Richmond and also hosts a college football tailgate show on Saturdays. A lot of irons in the fire for our man Danny Noakes here on our segment Notes with Noakes. So, Danny, let's move forward uh, to the game against the UNC Tar Heels Saturday. Somehow a night game, 7 p.m. on ESPNU. Right. (laughs) It's kind of crazy. We were talking about that off air. I don't understand that. Um, Right now, I think that uh, they don't have the odds out just yet, but I think Tech's going to be favored by at least a touchdown. UNC is not having the best year, uh, but overall, if you look, uh, back towards towards the Notre Dame game and try to factor that into the UNC game. Tech really, uh, they played well on offense and on defense. They gave up the big plays like we mentioned, but on offense, they actually outgained the Irish. They outgained them by three yards. That's that's not a huge outgainment, but at the same time, uh, three yards or three yards. They, swore, they, they gained 441 yards of total offense. They ran uh, more plays. They had more first downs. I mean, Tech had a pretty good uh, game plan going in, but they just could not convert, as we mentioned before. But going against the Tar Heels uh, coming up this coming uh, Saturday, what should we look for this week uh, and, and for them to try to rebound before they have that big Thursday night game against G-Tech? 
I think I first of all, I think I saw uh, a Las Vegas sports book that had the Hokies pegged as six point favorites in oh. this game. So I, yeah, I so was going to guess seven. I was going to guess seven. So uh, thank yeah. you, thank you. No, no, no applause, no applause. Me <laughs> and they're and they're a, uh, and they're they're on the road. So that's that. You were you were right on the money with where your head was at in, in estimating that line right there. Um, you. But I, you know, I would I would I would say this. I would. I think ideally Virginia Tech is going to play a game on Saturday like they did against Duke. Yeah. And there are a lot of similarities, obviously, considering they're going down to the state of North Carolina. You've got a 7 o'clock kick just like you did against the Blue Devils. But North Carolina is nowhere near as well coached or as talented as, as Duke is, nor are they as physical yeah. as the Blue Devils are. So that I, I would say this, this needs to be somewhat of a statement game, and, and the statement just needs to be we're not going anywhere. We're not scared. We're not intimidated, despite the fact that we've got a couple of losses, two very different losses, mind you. Yeah. We're going to be just fine. Let's see some more physical play on the offensive side of the ball. Let's see them get a more consistent ground game. Because I, I think I, you saw the game that Damon Hazleton played on Saturday Night Throw. He beast. was fantastic. He's a great receiver, a, a, a Division One athlete and, and a Power 5 receiver if I've ever seen one. So they, they can get guys like him the ball as much as they possibly can. Dalton Keene, who took off down the sideline against Duke a couple weekends ago, he looks good. But let's see a more consistent effort on the ground and defensively stop allowing the big plays, man. Just limit those big plays and, and tech, again, despite all that youth, they'll be fine. Yeah, no doubt about it. And you mentioned Hazleton, 6'2", 222. A lot of twos in there. But at the same time, like you said, he's a power five receiver. I mean, you can watch this guy go out there and just play his ass off. And I tell you, it's something to watch out for every single Saturday now because Willis knows how talented this guy is. And he's going to keep throwing in the rock no matter what. He had 12 catches over 100 yards. And that's the biggest thing is you got to go for your best guys. Look at Boykin and Williams for, for Notre Dame. They did exactly same thing they went to their best guys when they needed it and mind you boykin is literally like like a, a, a transformer that guy is ginormous his <laughs> arms the size of my face i mean it's ridiculous and if we're i mean obviously we're doing a podcast so my face is big out there for everybody to know um but at the same time that's the thing you gotta look out for is hazelton big body receiver he's got some speed he's got great hands Keep throwing him the football because the best thing about it that Tech can look at for years to come, he's only a sophomore. And, you know, Tech receivers, they usually stay until they're seniors. So hopefully we have an extra two years with him uh, coming up here. But looking at UNC, I mean, they just haven't had a great year as a whole. I mean, like you said, they once Trubisky left and all that, they just went straight to the crapper, basically. They lost to Cal, I mean, on the road. 17-24 by one touchdown. Cal's not that great this year either. They got demolished by ECU in their own state. I mean, that's that was the battle of North Carolina, basically. And ECU, as we mentioned off air to each other, they're not that great of a program uh, as of late either. 19-41, to 41, that's ridiculous. And luckily for, the, for UNC, they didn't have to play U at UCF, which is uh, thank God for that because uh, that would have been a bloodbath too. And they won against Pitt, and then they got demolished once again by Miami and uh, in Miami uh, last week. Um, so, or excuse me, two weeks ago. So they have a week off to prepare for Tech. But again, you know, I think it's going to be a huge win for Tech overall because I think they're just going to go to their regular ground game, see if Peoples can try to get going. And uh, I think Willis, this is going to be his time to shine uh, and see if they can rebound very well like they did with Duke. But I totally agree with you. I think they're going to rebound um, 
perfectly like they did against Duke because of the sole fact that, again, same kind of time frame. Uh, they're on the road. They know it's, it's, on, it's on ESPN, even though it's ESPNU, still it's the same thing. But at the same time, I think Tech uh, loves these night games because they play really well in the night games. Obviously, last week, okay, didn't really go their, their way, but overall, uh, these night games so far, they beat Florida State, they beat Duke, and they beat those two teams handily. And now this one's going to be a 7 p.m. kick. And then all of a sudden, you have a Thursday night kick coming against uh, Georgia Tech. So overall, I think that, that Tech has a real good shot with that six-point uh, spread right now. I think it might go up a little bit because you know, I just think that everyone's on that lull a little bit from the Notre Dame game. So uh, g- give me what your prediction is here, Danny. I see this game being, as I already said, very similar to the Duke game. I think you're going to see a final score somewhere around 34 to 34-17, 34-13, something like that, 31-13. It'll be right in, in that wheelhouse because I think I think this coaching staff, when it comes to conference games and, and, and responding after a loss, they do a very good job of getting their team ready to play again the sure. next week tr- to try and bounce back after a loss. You know, whether whether it was against Clemson, the ACC championship game, or the way that they responded after the Battle of Bristol in Fuente's first year, they've, they've been able to, to respond. And, and this year, after the ODU game, to come back and beat a ranked Duke team as well as they did. Uh, I think that speaks volumes about the, the way that the coaching staff gets them ready to play, responding to a loss. So, yeah, give me give me the Hokies. I would take the Hokies to cover that uh, pretty comfortably, the way the spread looks now. You know what we should do? We should start doing on this segment, we should keep looking at the spreads, and we should actually give them some betting tips now that gambling is basically legal everywhere. I think that would be fun to do, man. That would sound like a – I mean, I love gambling. Don't get me wrong. But at the same time, that would be fun to do because that actually gives us a little bit of premise of what Vegas and all these other type of people are uh, are looking at for the game. I think that might be a fun thing to do. What do you think? I'm in, dude. Make You're it in. part of our segment every yes. week. Let's, let's get some picks in. <laughs> <laughs> this is Danny Noakes. Follow him on Twitter at Danny Noakes, co-host and producer for Fox Sports 9, 10 in Richmond, host college football tailgate show on Saturdays as well. Danny, another Notes with Noakes, Noakes segment. She's See, I thought that was really clever to come up with it's that. It's a mouthful, name. dude. But now it's, it's now it's starting to start to really screw me over. Um, <laughs> but notes with notes, Danny notes at Danny notes on Twitter. Danny, another segment down here, buddy. Another week down. Um, next week again, uh, we're gonna be on the road. It's gonna be fun, man. The weeks to come because we're gonna be on the road next week. We're gonna be at possibly. I think it's almost set in stone. I told you off air. It's going to be possibly at Parando's Tex-Mex Grill in Ashburn, Virginia. We're going to have a live Facebook live broadcast and also have the podcast uh, put on Apple uh, Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Google Play Music. So check out those. But again, uh, Danny, as always, the Notes with Notes segment is on the rise, man. Everyone is starting to like it. I got some good feedback from last week, dude. Well, I appreciate that, sir, and appreciate you having me on every week. Looking forward to doing it again. Tell Simpson I said hello for now. We'll get back. We'll stink back up next week. We'll get some picks in and talk a little more pigskin. All right, man. <laughs> no doubt about it. Thanks again for coming on, Danny. That's Danny Noakes once again on Twitter at Danny Noakes, N-O-K-E-S, co-host and producer for Fox Sports 910 in Richmond, and he also hosts a college football tailgate show on Saturdays. That's Notes with Noakes right here on the D.C. Crossover. My Mike Cerrone saying so long yet again for another edition of the D.C. Crossover right here on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Google Play Music.